And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller. And I am back from a vacation, from a from a hiatus, so to speak. Uh, we had we had uh, visitors come and join us from Thanksgiving and they stayed all the way to, you might know them as the Rona. They came, they stayed and uh, didn't want to go away. Um, but uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm back now. Um, still kind of getting over the tail end of it. I appreciate the prayers. Uh, but we are here tonight, G220 Radio. I don't know what happened to Mike there. Mike just decided to take himself out. You know, I, I hit my janky little Ethernet cable here. Oh, man. And it had, doesn't have a clip. And my new laptop doesn't have an RJ45 jack. Which is what the which is the tip in on Ethernet cables? If you did not know that, and so no, I'm using a uh, a USB C hub that has an Ethernet connection <clears throat> to make it easier, um, but also has an HDMI, so I can like roll the three screens like you do, Ricky. I just don't have enough room on my desk for three for three screens at this time. That means that in the works sounds like you've uh, got plans to increase your monitors and uh, <clears throat> that that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely helps um, to be able to see, and I'm losing some audio here. All right. So it definitely does help to uh, be able to kind of see what's going on. And, uh, but last week you was holding it down. Um, we had the round table and only one of our participants showed up for the round table. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Uh, unfortunately you still kind of ran through with that and, um, and, and didn't get some of the, the things on the wheel that you wanted to come up, but you guys still talked about the KJV. Yeah. I think you talked about, uh, instruments when it comes to worship. Um, but I know you wanted to get to the communion. <laughs> I did. So that would have been, that would have been interesting. My wife was very much like, you really stuck to your guns on God's providence. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You just let it roll and whatever came up, that's what you guys talked yep. about. So that was great. Um, this week we've got Phil Dutchery coming on a program. Uh, Phil is a pastor down in Kentucky. Um, he and I met up here uh, at the Illyria Applefoot. We met online. Uh, he was at a church up here in this area. And we, we met in person at the Illyria Apple Festival. We were out sharing the gospel. He was out sharing the gospel uh, and uh, just a great brother. And he wrote a book. Um, it's a brief inter introduction on essentials. And we want to talk about that uh, as well as um, he's also one of the, the guys that runs and hosts the uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, you can see the page. I see it being shared all over the place. There's a lot of memes that come out, and I think, I think, and he can correct us if, if we're wrong, that he's the one pretty much behind a lot of these memes. Uh, and so, uh, but um, uh, I've, I see Deuteronomy going all over the place being shared. I know they have a website. They've got some merchandise there. You guys can go check it out. Christmas is right around the corner um, and support these brothers. So we're going to go ahead and bring the him on. And so, uh, Phil, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, well, doing a little better, as I, as I mentioned in the beginning here, kind of getting the tail ends of, of this Rona. And, um, but uh, uh, I can't complain. I can't complain. I'm, I'm glad to be back on G220 Radio. We're glad to have you on the program. We had to reschedule this, this program from earlier. Um, and so we're glad to be able to do that and have you come in uh, to talk about your book. Because I think, I think it's very important, and I, I think we'll get into why 
um, you felt the need to uh, write a book like this, this brief introduction into, you know, um, uh, uh, theology. Because I think when we look at the the state of the church, um, mm-hmm. it can it can be. I want to be careful because I love the church and I and I love you know the, the bride of Christ and with all its flaws you know that that we mm-hmm. see here in an American context, um, theology just has not seemed to be something that is important uh, over the last I don't know how many years and I, there's probably lots of factors that play into into that but in the context of America, mm-hmm. um, theology is not something that we see in many churches the, the 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 majority of people sitting in the pews don't really dig deep into theology and and i think your heart behind this is wanting to see people get into theology and understand these essentials uh, of the faith mm-hmm. and as well as you know to help them grow and maybe get them digging in deeper into the word of god which is something i do know you guys do on deuteronomy uh quite often mm-hmm. is try to encourage people to get into the bible yeah mm-hmm. So why don't you go ahead and share with us a little bit about yourself, how, how you came to know the Lord, um, your, your walk with the Lord, and coming into the, the calling of, of being a pastor. Oh, oh, my goodness. That is a long, long story. Uh, and I only got to make hour, it as, so. as quick. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask how much time I had. Uh, I'll try to make it as quick as possible. But um, I actually got saved at Bible college, uh, which is kind of unusual. So uh, I so made you a went to Bible college six. and then got saved while you were yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I ha- I have such a, a desire to, uh, and this is what sparked the the desire to write this book was because um, I just didn't know God. I had no idea. Um, so I made a profession when I was six, uh, and it was. The only reason I did it is because uh, it was a VBS. There were some ki- kids that were doing it too. Uh, I saw how happy uh, their parents were. I saw how happy my mom was. So uh, I wanted to be a part of that. So, uh, you know, I, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was six. Um, I got baptized and I just kind of did my thing. You know, I got to about 13 and uh, there were some circumstances that came up and a change of circumstances in, in my life. And, uh, you know, my, my dad lost his job around that time. You know, I transferred from, I was going to uh, Open Door, the private Christian school in Illyria. Mm. Um, I went from there, then I transferred to a public school. And within, uh, you know, a week I was, I was drinking. Uh, I just wanted that acceptance. I wanted that, 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 I wanted friends. So I just did whatever I could to, to fit in. Uh, that that began a oh golly about a seven seven and a half eight year uh, battle of drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, I I got depressed. Uh, I battled depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, and I, I reached a point in my life where I I was so angry with the things that I was go that were going on in my life that I just kind of rejected God. Uh, just, just wholesale. Just, I, I became an anti-theist. I hated the idea of God. Um, you know, I, I uh, the bands that I were, I was playing in. Uh, I, you know, I had, you know, the, the shirts with, you know, upside down crosses and pentagrams. Uh, that, that was me. I just, I hated God. I hated everything about God. I hated everything about the church. <clears throat> and then I had a, a cousin who had a very, very similar 
similar path. Uh, he was uh, he he was he battled drugs when he was in high school, and you know he when I was probably about twenty, he came up to me and me and him just started talking and he started answering the questions that I had. You know why? Looking back on it now, they were the the kind of like the basic questions like why do bad things happen to good people you know who created god like stuff like that uh but the these were stumbling blocks for me i i, I wrestled with these and he took the time then to answer these and this was the first time that someone like sat down and took the time to talk with me about these things uh because up until that point anytime i had these questions it was well you just have to have faith like don't ask questions yeah so he took the time to to, to answer these so I started going back into church. Uh, the first the first day I went back to church because uh, I had grown up in it. Uh, the first day I went back, I I walked in and I had a, a blue mohawk and I was hungover from the night before, and I had on a a very profane shirt. And I walked into the church and it was in this tiny little church in Birmingham, Ohio, and there were a bunch of farmers that went there. And this this old guy in his 80s comes up to me and I was expecting the first thing I was expecting was, you know, judgmental looks. And this guy comes up and he's just like, you must be Phil. And I said, yeah. And he's like, uh, my name's Chet. Your cousins told me all about you. I'm so glad you're here. And he sat with me mm-hmm. and I'm sitting next to this 80 year old farmer in this church. And I've got a blue mohawk, uh, a church that has the F word right across it. And he's just as happy as can be to see me. So that kind of drew me back into church. <clears throat> I started going, and then you know I had all these questions. The the pastor at the time saw that I was asking these questions, and everyone in the church just encouraged me to go to Bible college. Uh, so I thought, well, there's a Bible college that'll accept me. I'll, I'll go. I'll get out of Ohio. I made some people upset, and I, I need to get away from the state, so I'll go. I was there for two years and it was, it was a brutal two years. Um, I was a a punk that was less than a year sober that went to a Bible college in uh, a town of about a thousand people in the middle of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I I knew it was going to be rough when I entered the city and the first billboard I saw said, we play both types of music, country and bluegrass. (laughs) So, I I knew that this was going to be a bit of a culture shock. So for two years I was there and it was, it was a struggle. I was in trouble all the time. Uh, Yeah, it was just, was not good. And then, you know, I'd met my wife. Then about a few months after, about six months after I met her and we started dating, uh, I was cleaning windows outside of the building. I was at work cleaning windows, listening to a sermon and uh, James 2.19 was the focus of the passage. And the pastor said, um, you know, that's great that you believe in God. That's great that you admit that God is real. Uh, so does Satan. Mm-hmm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I just realized, like, I made a profession. I acknowledged intellectually that God exists, but I've never repented of my sins. And uh, at that moment, I repented. I put my faith in Christ. And uh, that was the day I got saved. And uh, after that, I 
I, I left Bible college because I realized that I was nowhere near the point in my life where I needed to be preparing for ministry. So my wife and I got married uh, in, in May of 2013, moved to Tennessee. I was there for a couple years. Uh, I was uh, spent some time being discipled by my pastor. Uh, my daughter was born in 2015, and then shortly after she was born, I uh, I realized that you know if if I'm gonna like I, I need to do I need to do ministry. I had this uh, un, this un, uncontrollable urge to to uh, do ministry to share the gospel to. Um, I just, I, I just had this, you know, lack of a better term, calling on my life. Uh, so, I, I applied back to college. Um, did not think they were going to take me back because it was one of those things that when I left, it was one of those like, uh, I'm not fired, I quit type deals. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, you can't come back. And I was like, well, I don't want to come back. So uh, mm -hmm. I reapplied, and they they took me back. Um. Yeah, went to finish out my degree. Then I started, accepted a call uh, to pastor a church in Illyria in 2018. I went up there, um, left about 14 months after that, and moved to Kentucky. Here I am. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about that, like why you would want to go back to Kentucky. Now I know Mike's down there in <laughs> yeah, Louisville, why? but <laughs> why do you want to come to Kentucky? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> no, we were talking a little bit about the weather and, and uh, one of the things that um, I, I've I've enjoyed. My brother moved down to, to Louisville as well. He, he's down in that area uh, with the military. <clears throat> and so when we go down there, you know, well, at least every year we've been going down there for the last seven or eight years for the Kentucky Derby to do evangelism. And uh, I mean, it, Kentucky is this strange place to me where it's warmer. It feels warmer. I know Phil was telling me it's pretty cold right now, but it feels warmer than um, up here in Ohio, uh, right off the lake. But uh, yeah, I, I was telling Phil before the show that uh, one time being up in Ohio, right off the lake, we get the lake effect snow. We get all we get hit, you know, especially going more towards Cleveland and and whatnot. You get hit, and uh, I was stationed down at Fort Campbell, and it got cold and they were worried about everything freezing over, but there was no snow, nothing. They closed everything down. Like all the schools were closed. They were closing the post down. I'm like, what is going on here? But, um, but that's the luxury of living in a, a nice, warm, tropical, not, not tropical, but you know, <clears throat> you know, I've got a, uh, I was telling you this before we got started. I don't think I finished, but uh, my senior year when I was at uh, this, this Bible college, it, it was right down by the, the Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky border. So my senior chapel, it was January. My parents come down from Ohio. Uh, me and my dad went to the store. It was about 55 degrees. And I get a text from the dean. And he said, hey, man, we're not going to be able to do your senior chapel tomorrow. They're calling for snow. We're canceling. And me and my dad are walking into the store. And it's 55 degrees. My dad's in shorts. And he looks at me. And he's like, they're canceling for this? Like, yeah, they canceled over the threat of snow. It didn't snow. It was like 45 the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's one of those things, you know. I mean, um, when you live up here, uh, I know you said you're from the Vermilion area, which, again, is right off the lake. When, you, when you're used to getting that kind of weather, um, it's, a, it's a different. It's, a, it's kind of, I don't want to say a culture shock, but it's, it's a little different. 
And so, um, <clears throat> Mike, I don't know if, okay, no, it's, it's not, it's not froze now. Your, your screen was froze there for a minute there, uh, Phil, but it's, it's, it's open now and working. All right. So let's, let's get into this, uh, this book. You've got this essentials, this brief introduction to systematic theology. Um, why, like you, you said, you had this desire, you go into school, some of these questions that you're, you're struggling with that are holding you up. Now you're you've got this desire to write this book and and uh, edify uh, people within the church. You know, probably thinking people within your own churches, congregations, and then others as well. So, how, how did you come up with this idea? What what kind of sparked the desire for that uh, to see people really get into systematic theology? Because sometimes we think that's well, only it, like seminary kind of thing. Well, you systematic. Yeah. Let's get into like you know high thinkers and people that are really into school. But I mean, really, Christians, we should be learning and studying because theology is just the study of God. And so how yeah. are we to grow if we don't know who God is? Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of all started when uh, kind of when I got when I got saved, um, you know, I, I went I was in church, for, you know, pretty much I grew up in the church up until I was 13. And I don't remember hearing like a, a, a solid doctrinal sermon. Uh, after I got back in the church at 20, it was all, you know, it was all feel good. Uh, this is what God can do for you messages. And I had all these questions. And then when I went to Bible college, it was the first time that I heard, you know, about context. It was the first time that I heard, you know, about who God is, God's, God's divine nature. I, I was wrestling with the ideas of predestination and you know, infra versus superlapsarianism. And I was hearing all of these things. And as I'm hearing these things and as I'm reading the Bible, like the, the biblical text just came to life. So that that really sparked my desire to to dive into theology. But what really sparked the desire to write the book is when I actually started preaching. Uh, I've, I've preached on and off, you know, since I first started in Bible college, but I've been consistently preaching every week for about the last four years. And uh, the more I started preaching, the more I realized that there is this gigantic gap between uh, the uh, what should be the level of understanding when it comes to the doctrines of God and the average person in the pew. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I realized that so many people, you know, read the Bible through a, a me lens. What can God do for me? How does, where do I fit into the story? What does the text say about me? And I quickly realized that they have this idea because that's how they've been taught. They don't understand the, the foundations of, of biblical theology because if they did, they wouldn't be reading the, the Bible from this perspective. So I, I tossed the idea around for a little bit and then, you know, COVID happened. And uh, I was between churches and everything shut down and I had all this time on my hands. And one day I was just, uh, I was kind of ranting to my wife. Uh, I do that a lot. I, I just, I, I rant a lot to my wife and it annoys the snot out of her. She hates it, but it's, it's what I do. And I was ranting one day and she was just getting annoyed. And she's like, well, if it's, if this is what you're, if you're so strongly about that, just write a book. I was like, fine, I will. So in, during quarantine, I just sat down and I started writing a book and uh, I showed it to the guys at, at Dude and uh, they're like, yeah, let's publish it. Let's find a way to make this happen. And that's just kind of how it happened. Mm -hmm. 
So what are some of the the areas that you kind of cover in this? Because it's it's a brief introduction mm-hmm. into systematic theology. Obviously, you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to cover a lot um, mm-hmm. in, in a brief introduction, but to get people primed, to kind of get them to see this, this or to see and hopefully build within them or encourage them to have this desire to dig deeper into God's word and understand some of these mm-hmm. things. Cause like you said, you know, like um, I know that uh, I grew up in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church. And while the gospel was preached, there was a lot of words that I didn't know until I started getting, digging into things myself and hearing words like mm-hmm. what is hermeneutics? What is, you know, um, you brought up superlapsarianism or infralapsarianism, like these these big words, these these terms that are used within um, theological circles. But the average person sitting in the pew may not may not recognize these things or understand these things. And there are some things that we see as essential to the biblical faith. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. there are things that if you deny, you cannot be Christian. You know, um, you can maybe not understand something, but if you flat out deny some of these things, yeah. you're outside the faith. And so what what are some of those things that you kind of get into in this brief introduction to, to systematic theology for the reader to kind of um, get their appetite wet to kind of dig in and 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 understand what these essentials are? Well, uh, I, I cover in the book, um, you know, who God is, you know, who is God, the father, who is God, the son, who is God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, what is um, what is missions? How does that apply to us? Uh, what is salvation? Um, uh, what is you know the inerrancy of Scripture? You know things that, uh, like you said, things that if if you deny, then you are you are outside of the faith. Um, you know, with when I know that there's a lot of debate regarding uh, you know salvation, you know Reformed theology, Calvinist uh, soteriology versus you know other uh, aspects of that and and that's the the nuances of that that we don't cover i don't cover that in the book but what i do cover is that salvation is by faith alone in christ alone by grace alone like if you you can have a different understanding of predestination and election but if you deny that salvation is by faith in christ alone through through faith alone by grace alone if you deny that then you you can't rightly call yourself a christian like you know Mm -hmm. Salvation is through Christ alone. Anything outside of that is is not is not biblical. It's not Christian. All right. <clears throat> you can you can believe that like the the doctrine of the Trinity. That's another thing. Like that's once you get outside of that, you're attacking who God is, and you're not worshiping the biblical Christ. So that's that's essential. And, and I think one thing with things. with the Trinity too, um, if we can kind of camp there just a little bit, is uh. Sometimes a lot of people don't even recognize mm-hmm. that they're speaking modalism, Patrick, you know, like, or, or, <laughs> or a heresy or something. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, 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 I know I've seen it, you know, people will try to use water and, and then and ice mm-hmm. and, and they'll say these different things, you know, but what they end up doing is putting forth in their presentation mm-hmm. of the Trinity a heresy. And I don't, I don't think it's it's purposefully, I don't think their intentions are yeah. trying to deceive people, but a lot of times we just mm-hmm. don't recognize it. I, I remember yeah. we were heading down to, um, um, out towards Canton or s- one of these places we were going to do evangelism. And I had a guy with me, uh, who was kind of learning. I was trying to disciple him and kind of lead him along. Uh, and I told him, I said, Hey, 
share the gospel with me and tell me about God, you know, um, as if, well, so we can kind of practice as we're going out here in case somebody starts talking to you. And he started going into the Trinity, but he was giving me a modalistic view. And I said, you're mm-hmm. telling me heresy here. Mm-hmm. And he started, he was like, oh no, not Adam, you know? And I'm like, I don't think you meant to do so, but that's how easily we can fall into it if we don't have mm-hmm. this understanding right. And, you know, that's that's the perfect illustration of why having a solid understanding of theology is, is so important is because it's so easy to slip in to heresy. Um, I, I tell I think I, I think I might have mentioned this in the book. I, I know I talk a lot about it whenever I you know talk about the subject. But when I was at college, we had a professor and he was notorious for giving just what we thought were stupid questions on tests. Uh, He would ask questions like how many animals did Moses take on the ark? Um, One of the, the most infamous question was Oprah was one of the judges. And naturally you would, you would fall for it. You'd say, yeah, Oprah was a judge. And then he would mark you wrong. You get upset and he would, you know, correct you and say, no, Orpah was the judge. It wasn't Oprah. Oprah's on TV. Orpah's Mm -hmm. the judge. And it would make everyone so mad. Like people would like be visibly angry over this. And then one day he comes in and he has a copy of the New World Translation. And he beginning a class every every time we had class, he would do a devotion. And he does his devotion out of John 1. And the New World Translation, for those of you that don't know, uh, there's an extra letter thrown in. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. And he does his devotion out of that passage, and no one bats an eye. And then he gets done with it, and then he asks, you know, who would agree with this? And pretty much everyone rose their hand. And he goes, congratulations, you're all heretics. And we all kind of looked at him and like, what do you mean? And then he went to tell us, and he wrote the verse down, and he pointed out that one letter changed the entire doctrine of who God was into a man-made false false idol of, of Jehovah's Witness. And that, that shows how easy it is to fall into heresy because, mm-hmm. you know, we have this idea that, you know, we'll be able to spot heresy. We won't. There's, it's very, very difficult to find, to, to see these heresies if you don't have a proper understanding of theology, if, you don't, if you're not rooted in Scripture. It's very easy to fall for that. And Jehovah's Witness is a perfect example of that. You look at John 1.1. 1, 1, one letter changes the entire doctrine of who God is. And if you don't have a solid foundation of theology, you're you're more likely to fall for it. And it doesn't even have to be, you don't have to memorize Berghoff or, you know, a Bobnik or anything like that. Just read your Bible. Have mm-hmm. an idea of who God is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important point. You think about the Council of Nicaea in a similar way. The difference in the Greek word homoousios and homoousios, mm-hmm. this little iota, this little mm-hmm. letter changes everything. Is he the same substance or is he of a similar substance? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important because like you've said, I've had people, they'll give you like a list and tell you what, what book this is and they'll pull things from the Book of Mormon and like that. And I think that's important. Um, as you mentioned, it's cause it's who God at who God 
is. And that you kind of start out this in your introduction. This is theology. This is the study of God. This should have some importance. And so I think a question that's important on this is why do we need a book on the essentials of like a brief, a brief introduction into theology? Why is that so kind of important that we need something like this? We need kind of a, a short book to introduce these things. Yeah, you know, I, th I think the reason why is because there there's so many, and this is going to sound weird because, you know, I'm just a random guy on the internet that makes memes, uh, but there's there's so many people out there that are pushing, you know, theological garbage. Um, you you know, Furtick, Osteen, all of these guys, and they're popular, and there's nothing that is, is there's really not that much out there that's combating that, and and it's so you know, without having kind of a foundation to build on, you're, you're more likely to, to fall for that. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a, a theological guardrail. And that's, that's why, you know, creed and, and confessions are so important too, is because, you know, without these, these <clears throat> I think we're more likely to fall for heresy. Uh, I think he was breaking up there. I'm sorry. The, throughout church history. <clears throat> did I freeze up? Yeah, you did freeze up there for a minute. You were talking about creeds and confessions and the importance yeah. throughout church history. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that that is, um, it's vitally important. You've mentioned it a few times already. I know um, on your, uh, uh, the Facebook page, the group that you guys have with Deuteronomy, you guys encourage people to read their Bibles every day. Like just read your mm -hmm. Bible. Right. And we want to encourage believers to read the Bible. And really all we need is to read the Bible, but it doesn't discount the, the, um, the encouragement and the influence that we can get from picking something up like an additional book, not to replace the Bible, but to help us understand certain things. So if you take a, a regular lay individual in a church who doesn't go to seminary, doesn't dig into like theological depths of things, they may not understand some of the, the ways that the Trinity can be explained that could lead into a heretical view. They may not know that. So picking up a book that can kind of help you see, oh, this is what we believe about God being triune. There's one God in his substance, in his essence, in his very nature, yet three distinct persons. You know, um, we're working with my daughter on that. She's four. And I even asked her this uh, when I came home from work. I said, so how many gods are there? And she's like, one. And I said, how many persons are in this one God? And she said, three. And I said, who are they? She says, she always does this. I don't know why she gets this. She says, the Father, the Earth, and the Son. <laughs> no, not the Earth, not the Earth. It's like, where do you get that? It's the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's so easily we can be, you know, like uh, 
confused or or get things mixed up or like you said pick up a bible because we think we don't know we go to a store we just grab a bible it says bible and we don't realize we pick up a new world translation or we pick up a message you know something that's really not going to edify and help us grow and so there are people who have come before us you know we 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 think of councils and creeds confessions people that have written systematic theologies and and people that have come before us to kind of help us grow in our understanding of these things. And so those can be very, very useful for us. Uh, And as you're trying to do here with your book, because like, I mean, just being real as someone who goes out and evangelizes on the streets and you get into conversations with so many people tell me they're Christians, so many people. Right. And, and I want to be very gracious and kind and, and, and hope all things. So when someone tells me they're a Christian, I want to be like, absolutely. But sometimes when you start to ask a few questions, you're like, okay, you're denying original sin or you're, 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 you're saying that, you know, Jesus isn't God. He's just a created being. Mm-hmm. Where, where is this coming from? And these are very important. These are essential to the faith again. Yeah. And that's, that, that's something I've noticed too. And it's, it's so discouraging because you know, like you said, most people don't even realize that they're, for lack of a better term, heretics. Uh, but that that's just kind of indicative of the, the current state of, of theology within not just the, the the church, but the broader evangelical context of America as a whole. Um, you know, you can look at the, uh, the Ligonier uh, survey that was done, the state of the church, and you can see, I, I think it's something like over half of evangelicals deny the Trinity. Or over half believe that Jesus was the greatest created being, uh, whether intentionally or not. That's that's heretical. You're attacking the very divinity of our Savior. And it's it's a sad sad example of just the state of, of where we're at as the church in America. Yeah, and now as a pastor, what are ways that you know you wrote this you wrote this book to kind of help people get this you know um, introduction into systematic theology? What are ways that you, because ultimately, um, when you have a book out there, people can get it from outside of your congregation, but you're responsible for the, the flock that you're an overseer of. So what do you do as a pastor to try to build that within people? Because you can't cover everything in one week uh, a sermon, right? So how do you go about trying to in, in, instill these truths into your people so that they're aware of it? Um, just for example, or just kind of throw it out there. Do you, do you call out false teachers by name? Do you call out the heresies that are out there? Like how, how do you go about trying to prepare them for the heresies, but also giving them the stuff that's going to sustain them? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I think the, the best example of this is actually an illustration that John MacArthur has given uh, multiple times and it's the secret <clears throat> service. You know, when uh, Secret Service begin their training, they don't uh, they don't study the counterfeits. They study the real thing and they, they become so intimately familiar with the real thing that they can spot a counter spot a counterfeit a mile away. Uh, that, that's kind of the way that I, I think that we should as, as you know, as pastors and as ministers uh, do that is to just just equip them to su- how to study the Bible, uh, because and. If you pick up a Bible, there's, uh, you know, we posted a meme today that talked about Ezekiel 23, 20, and Psalm 137, 9. 
you can pick that up and you can look at Psalm 137.9 and be like, oh, okay, I can go do this. And there's, there's context. You need to learn how to study the Bible. You equip them how to study the Bible. You teach them about context. You teach them uh, hermeneutics. You, you equip them of how to study the Bible, but you uh, also teach the whole counsel of God. Uh, that's that's why expo or expository preaching is so, so important to the health of the church. You preach the whole counsel of God. You don't you know, you can get a, a feel-good message by turning on Dr. Phil, uh, and and if that's what you're teaching, and if that's how you teach, you know, how can the how's the Bible about me? You can get that from other places. Teach the whole counsel of God. Teach the Bible. Teach, develop, and foster a a love for the Word, and then if you you do that, and if you teach the whole counsel of God's Word, and if you teach them how and equip them of how to study the word then they're going to be able to spot a counterfeit a mile away but mm -hmm. also it's it's important to also call out the false teachings to to be aware of what's out there um, stephen furtick has you know millions of followers he millions of downloads of his message a week and that's what we've got to to, to we have to explain why these people are dangerous but not just why they're dangerous, but why they're dangerous in light of what Scripture says. Mm -hmm. So use these these false teachings as an example in light of Scripture. It's one thing to call some call someone out. You can call someone out uh, by name and why they're bad, but unless you're doing it in, in light of who Scripture is or what Scripture says about this doctrine and why they're wrong, then then you're not you're not equipping them. You're just talking about somebody. Right. Use this as an example to equip them. Yeah, that's an excellent point there. Go ahead, Mike. You was going to say something. Yeah, I think we've said it on the show before, and I think just to to bring it, that's the benefits of expository preaching. Mm -hmm. It's learning how to read the Bible by someone who's been trained to read the Bible. Now it takes time. You need to sit under a pastor who does it for a long time but even in explaining how you go preaching through and showing how they do it, how to think through it, but also it helps them to bridge that gap from story and context to personal application in theology. And, you know, there's a part of me and maybe you share this and maybe you don't is like, it's sad that you have to write a book like this to helping get Christians to engage in theology. Mm -hmm. And yet to think about it, as we've mentioned, you think of Stephen verdict, you think of, um, Willow Creek or, um, John I Piper. No, I'm just kidding. John Piper. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> joke. Um, Rick Warren. Now that you so see you sparked it. Good. Cause it's, Rick Warren spoke at a Design God oh, conference. <clears throat> Good job, Ricky. And um, when you think about them, there's that <laughs> that downplay of theology. Stephen Verdict, who graduated from this school right here. The Southern Baptist. The Southern Baptist Theological <laughs> Seminary. And yet, he's part of the Word of Faith movement. And, and I think he's a modalist too, right? Doesn't he like probably. kind of espouse that? I don't keep tabs of Stephen Burdick. I just just remember he told me to dig ditches and God will bless me. I mean, that's just 
It's what the Bible says, right? <laughs> From some obscure prophet that I can't even think of. It's been so long. But anyways, it's the um, <clears throat> that importance. And when you think about how um, Life Church TV, TV and all these other kind of mega churches, as they we would call them, kind of downplay that importance of theology, the importance of biblical study and making that gap. And so when, when you think of, you know, that question, I think it's a very good that the sermon is the example for the people and how to read their Bible and to think about things biblically because they see someone demonstrate it week in and week out as a whole. And so that's just to think about that and to, to consider just the importance of having good sermons and being of a good church. Um, to call it doesn't, you know, matter whether they agree with you theologically or not, you can still learn from them. Mm -hmm. I've learned from people I've disagreed with theologically and I'm a better Christian for it. And so I do, you know, just listen to your remarks and thinking about those things. Um, but really, it can't be underemphasized enough. The importance of going to church, listening to expository preaching and growing together within the church with it. And I think that breeds then what you've written about. They learn the essentials because you're calling out where they use bad passages. Like when, when Presbyterians use, let all the little children come to me for baptism. That's just, you know, it's not a verse about baptism. Let's just throw it out there. <laughs> Mike, you really, you're really trying to get us in trouble with our Presbyterian friends here. <laughs> Got to call out bad teaching to see it, right? <laughs> no, it, it definitely is important to, you know, th those are, are things that God has given to us. He's given us his word. You know, that's why I, I've mentioned it a few times, you know, Phil, you guys do this on Deuteronomy, trying to encourage people to be in his word and then encourage people to go to church. Because when you go, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be edified by the preaching of the word, especially if it's expository. You, you, week in and week out, you're getting the scriptures taught to you, preached to you and broken down so you can understand it. And so that you're not, um, like you said, you're, you're getting the truth so that when the counterfeits come along, you can say, whoa, that red flag just went up. You know, this person knocking at my door telling me about, you know, this 144,000, you know, that, whoa, that's a, that's a red flag, you know? Um, so those are definitely important things, gifts that God has given to his bride or to the church itself to be able to come together, gather together, be within a local church, and then his word that we can read it every day. We have God's word. And I'm sure many of us, I mean, Mike, I see your books behind you. I got books, uh, Phil, I'm sure you have more than one Bible. And plus we got them on our phones apps. Like there's, there's no excuse why we shouldn't be in the word of God. Right. Right. Phil. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've, you know, like you said, we, we make it a point every day on the page to encourage people to read their Bible. And, uh, People don't realize how much spare time we have. I mean, the longest book, if you listen to it through version, the longest book in the Bible uh, is Psalms. 
and it only takes about five hours to listen through it the entire way. Uh, the, the, the average person spends about four hours on social media a day. Um, look, Facebook and Instagram aren't that important. Read your Bible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's times just, just pick it up and read it. It's, it's not that hard. I mean, it's, I think he's breaking up there weeks at a time and just not not talk to her. I would be looked at as a bad husband, but yet I froze up again, didn't I? Yeah, you froze up, but we can hear you though. For a minute there, it was kind of breaking up, but but we can still hear you. See, it's like Kentucky Kentucky weather. Just kidding. Kentucky internet's bad. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think he was about to say Spectrum. You guys got that's Spectrum down have. there? Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. Well, so. it looks like we've lost Phil. I think he'll come back in. But, um, yeah. But go ahead, Mike. You were going to say something? So to yeah, think about I have his book on uh, Kindle now. And it's not, it's my internet's not working. <laughs> um, See, that's that, that, that Kentucky internet. It is. Uh, and he just said his internet froze. I think, you know, when you think about, um, you know, reading the Bible, kind of his point, um, he, just to think you about. Yeah, you're yeah. back. To, oh, to yeah, you got to love, love Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Phil's mentioning uh, this is a love letter. Like, you kind of can think about it this way. But just to think about it, the God of the universe wants you to know who he was, who mm-hmm. he is. And mm-hmm. he's given you something to know him by. Yeah. And that fact alone should encourage us to read it. Right. I get to know the God who put the stars into place and he's given me not only about who he is, but how he's created the world and wants me to live within it. Even in the Mm -hmm. sinfulness of the world. He's given me how I can overcome the sinfulness by the power of this, the spirit and washing and regeneration of the spirit, but also to live wisely within this world that is tainted with sin and Mm -hmm. kind of to, I think enhance with the downplay of theology is this downplaying of why should I read the Bible? I think we all know we should, but that idea of this is God's word for me. And he brings out in the book, it's Thanos. Um, it's God breathed mm-hmm. and it comes from him. The spirit inspires the writers to write what God wants us to know. Now, the secret things of God is the secret things of God. Right. And there's that discussion of what that may be. But God has given us enough to know who he is. 
And that should be enough for us to think about what's going on. And not that we're through reinvent the wheel. We have creeds, we have confessions, and we build our theology on top of who has laid who laid it down before us. But we still need to know it and understand it. And yeah. so having that um, motivation that the God of the universe has reached out and spoke to us. We shouldn't take it lightly and we should probably listen to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Phil, um, why don't you share with us a little bit about Deuteronomy, how that came about? Um, you know, uh, we got about 10 minutes left in the program, so we'll take this time um, to kind of learn about the the uh, the website that you guys have, the the ministry that you have there with Deuteronomy uh, and, and how that came together. Well, uh, I, I joined Deuteronomy uh, right around 2016. Yeah, it was about, yeah, about 2016. Um, now about two, 2000, late 2015. Sorry, I'm terrible with dates. Um, so I joined about 2015. I was about I joined about six months to about six seven months after they started. Um, and and the goal was to kind of uh, the the tagline is resurrecting biblical masculinity. Mm-hmm. And the 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 goal and desire of Deuteronomy is to. Uh, is to equip um, men to to lead their families well. Um, that was kind of the original vision. Uh, over the last year and a half to two years, it's it's kind of uh, kind of adapted and just kind of expanded to include uh, just just encouraging everyone to to read their Bibles, to uh, to grow in their walk, to uh, study study God's Word. And uh, we do that. One of the ways it's it's often kind of controversial, but we we spark we we like to use humor and memes to spark discussion to uh, as kind of a way to kind of soften the seriousness of of of, of the topics. Because some people uh, some people go into the theological discussion like a bull in a china shop. So we use kind of humor to kind of defuse that to, to kind of allow people to. Uh, enter that discussion uh, from mm-hmm. a, a kind of a funny standpoint. Uh, <laughs> oftentimes uh, they get a little spicy, but that's just the nature of memes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, one yeah, of the things as, as I was going to say, one of the things uh, I learned because I know you guys have a podcast uh, out mm-hmm. there as well. Um, people could go back and listen to previous, you know, episodes. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that I've learned that you guys do. Uh, and it's actually it's 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 wise is like there's more than one guy with Deuteronomy, and so mm-hmm. you you kind of screen like if you come up with I yeah I know you post a lot of these memes, but they kind mm-hmm. of get screened before it's not just Phil. Hey, I'm gonna put this meme out there. It's like send it to the other yeah. guys. Hey, what do you guys think? To kind of mm-hmm. you know balance that and kind of keep mm-hmm. accountable with each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's kind of good because. Uh, I've got the, some of the guys call me Fildozer just because I have a tendency to uh, <laughs> let my frustrations out in memes. So they they screen a lot of what I post or what I want to post, um, which is good because it, it kind of uh, like you said it, it holds us accountable. 
and but it also keeps us all all of us in check um a lot of us i mean we're we're a group of five five guys and you know sometimes uh if, if i I'm, I'm notoriously bad when it comes to grammar so i have some guys that kind of like spell check me but all of us will kind of like look at the the topic and we'll look at the the content and we'll say like okay well is this in check are you wording this properly is this is this theologically accurate like is you know it may be at a 99 but how can we make it to be a hundred percent you know mm-hmm. on point and it's it's nice that there's we have all of all of us uh, the five of us because the last thing that any of us want is to post to put out any content that would even remotely be uh, false or even remotely lead someone astray. So having that accountability and having those four other men that can look at the content and say like, okay, maybe you should tweak this a little bit. Maybe, maybe you should word this a little bit differently. It, it's, it's really nice because we can we'd bounce ideas off of each other. And yeah, it's, it's just a great group of guys that they, they love the Lord and they love, they love theology and I'm, and I'm really glad I get to work with them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the name is just genius. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's like, that's genius. Dude, Ronomy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty impressive there, brother. So, um, <clears throat> whichever one of your guys brought, you know, came up with that idea. That's, that's a <laughs> genius play on words there for Deuteronomy. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and that's, you would think that that's going to be an offensive site because uh, we have our friends over at the Patriarchy Podcast who are always into manly things, right? And trying to uh, promote, uh, you know, uh, manhood, biblical manhood. And so you would think you get a lot of pushback from a feminist. Is that kind of what you guys get a lot of? Or what are some of maybe the um, the most pushback you guys have seen on some of maybe some of the means or some of the things you're addressing that you thought mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to be so, you know, uh, so much of an issue. <clears throat> uh, you know, when, when we first started, feminists were a, a, a very big, very big deal. Uh, the first couple months, I mean, it was just inundated with progressives and feminists that were just mad about what we were posting. But here lately, it's been so, some of the things that we get pushed back on. Like I had, I had no idea that a believer would even be upset about this. Uh, going to church, that's that's the one that blows our minds the most. Every Sunday we will post a meme like, hey, go to church. And every Sunday there's always someone that will either say, uh, I worshiped on Saturday when, like God intended or I don't need church or just everything. Like people just don't like church apparently. Um, but yeah, that's the one that we get pushed back on the most. And I'm just kind of like, how is this even – like why is this an issue? Yeah, I thought the Bible was clear on it. Well, I think that's the importance of why we need to understand theology, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole, the whole. I mean, bringing this all full circle there is this idea that we don't like. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And and when you think of man, who's that guy from the Jesus movement? Um, the singer Keith Green is it Keith Green? Mm-hmm. I think it's Keith Green, right? And he and he's he he talks about in one of his songs like. Um, how does he put it? Like, I can't even remember. You know, like something with a hamburger. I'm not even forgetting what it is. Like, just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger or something like that, right? Or mm-hmm. if you're a car and it doesn't make you, you know, a garage or something like that. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Those are the kind of things that you you hear from people. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. True, 
because you've already said people are saved by faith, by the grace of God, through mm -hmm. faith in Christ and Christ alone, mm -hmm. but we're not made to do this walk alone. God has given us the church to grow mm -hmm. and to be edified mm -hmm. and to encourage and to give those gifts that God has given to us to share them with those around us. And mm -hmm. um, that's the way God has designed uh, for us to walk in this life. So yeah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but I don't really know many Christians that don't go um, unless mm -hmm. there's something wrong or a disconnect somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard uh, there was a meme that I saw floating around and uh, it said, uh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Like, yeah, you don't need a parachute to go skydiving either, but it sure helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we got about a couple minutes left here, Phil. Uh, we do, we definitely want to thank you for coming on the program. Um, and I'm going to give you a minute here yeah, to, uh, uh, to share any last thoughts. Um, next week, I think, Mike, I think we're going to do uh, 1689. We're not going to finish that before the year's out, but I think we should go back to 1689 next week. The following week, we're going to have Chris Jones on. He's a rapper with Christ-centric music. He's going to be on the program on the 21st. Uh, and then we have Reed B. Reed B Versus. <laughs> See, my mind is not thinking straight. He's another Christian artist, uh, rapper. He's going to be on on the 28th. And so um, we're, we've got uh, the rest of this month kind of planned out, good to go. And uh, uh, we're just looking forward to the opportunities that we have to speak to people about the, about the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, encourage you guys. And so we want to thank you again, Phil, for you coming on the program tonight to talk about your book and talk about Deuteronomy and uh, any last words, thoughts that you'd want to share with our, uh, with the audience. Uh, man, just read your Bible. Amen. Amen. Mike, any closing thoughts? It's been a good discussion as always. Um, Going through, I was looking through some of the memes, some pretty good ones. The one, the Karen, thank you, uh, Hobby Lobby Karen one. <laughs> thank you, pretty thank good. You. Should <laughs> not to offend actual Karens who are very nice. I'm sure there's plenty of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> so go ahead, check them out as I was doing, kind of in the show. Um, and get his book. I've pulled out part of it read some of it um and it looks like it's a good book um it may be no burke off but you know you gotta start somewhere right yeah um, <laughs> reading your bible and then read ascension essentials so that you have a good grasp of what you're reading yeah well all right well that's been uh, g220 radio for tonight we again want to thank you for tuning in until next time god bless Thank <laughs> you.